welcome to the book club that sure is not your mom's romance book club, but it is my mom's. I'm Ellen, and joining me as always is my mom. Hi, mom. How's it going? Hi, Ellen. Ellen, things are amazing. 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 So today, we are going to be talking about Long Shot by Kennedy Ryan, and later, as of recording this podcast, today is mom's birthday when we are recording, so I am going to give her every mom's favorite gift and allow her to give me life advice, TBD, on whether I take the advice or not. (laughs) You should. I know everything that's wrong with you, Ellen. (laughs) Oh, good. This will be fun. Uh, But first, mom... What have you been reading? Oh, I forgot to even look that up. Um, what have I been reading? Well, what did we read last time? You read, I know you, at one point you read Duchess Steel. I did. I reread Duchess Steel because of the other, the governess game that just came yes. out by Tessa Dare, and I couldn't remember Duchess Steel. But um, Duchess Steel is such a delightful book, and I it's just remembered delightful. how much I enjoyed it. By rereading it, and um, I just thought that that was Tessa Dare is so fun. good with the quips. She's oh my really, gosh! And even in Governor's really Game, funny. I'm I'm seeing the same, you know, the same thing. Um, yeah. Okay. The last podcast we did was on oh the flower one. Flower, huh? Flowers in the storm. Fla- I haven't read storm. that much. Okay. Oh, I did read Challenge. By oh. Amy Dawes, which is a uh-huh. Harris Brothers book. Yes. Um, that one I enjoyed quite a bit. I liked that. I want to read more of those, but we got wrapped up in other things. Um, then I read Longshot, which is our book for today, which we read a little early mm-hmm. for reasons that we will discuss. Because yeah. I usually try and read the book like right before we do the podcast. And um, then I reread Duchess Steel, which doesn't show up on my Goodreads, which is rude. Just because it's a reread, you can't you can have it show up, but I can show you how to do that later. Okay, and now I'm in the middle of governess game. Okay, so that's what I. Oh, and are we going to well, talk about the other thing we've talk, been reading? Well, give me a second. <laughs> we'll we'll talk about that in a second. Um, I read Josh and Hazel's Guide to Not Dating. I had an arc for that, and it's by Christina Lauren. Um, I think it comes out. I think it might come out this week um it's utterly delightful i recommend it um i think you know we talk about a lot about you know how much we love the heroes but this is a case i think in where i loved the heroine more she was hilarious and i just loved getting to hang out with her for a little while she's a lot of fun but we love Um, funny women yes and i read bad habit by charlie rose which is um She's an attending author at the event that we're going to in Vegas. It's another one that mom cannot read. Uh, I'm going to go to this convention. I'm not going to know any of the authors because you won't let me read any of their books. Um, she's like, it, the book is like a new adult. Um, he's the friend of her brother and he's just, you know, he's so, he's a bad boy. He's really brooding. Her parents don't like him. So, you know, that's how that <laughs> That's how that one went down. Um, and then I read Longshot. And then I read Duchess Deal. And now I'm in the middle of um, Governess Game. But the main thing that Mom and I have been reading for <laughs> Ellen the past... Ellen gets me hooked on these things. 
This is her whole life. She's done this to me, which is why I'm doing a podcast right now. She gets me sucked into this stuff. What so, is it, Ellen? What did we get sucked into this week? So I tweeted about it, but I got invested in the Turkish rom-com dramedy called Erkenchikush. Um, and it's Turkish for early bird. Um, I'm trying, like, what's kind of an equivalent of it, do you think, Mom? Jeez. Uh, well, first of all, <clears throat> nothing has the scope that this has because each, yeah. there's only nine episodes so far, but each episode is like two and a half hours long. Yeah, they're crazy. Um, um, but I, I love every minute of it, so oh, I'm not complaining. Last Saturday, I spent the entire day, like, watching this show. And, you know, that takes about 20 hours. Um, so but, Ellen sent me episode one and said, Mom, just watch episode one. I'm like, just so watch like, episode one. Just see if you like because it. Because the whole thing of watching a show with subtitles, and I thought, there's just no way I'm going to get into this. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> From the opening sequence, I loved it. I mean, that yeah. whole opening sequence in, in episode one where she's dancing with the bubbles and the... Yeah. And, I was just like, oh my gosh, this is such an Ellen and me show. <laughs> <laughs> it really is. It's like, it's, um, first of all, we've talked about this before, but our main parameter, like our main requirement for a show is like sexual tension, even if it's just like a side topic, uh, you know, just to have some element of sexual tension going on between mm-hmm. some characters. But with this show, it that is the main thrust if you will it's like the, the whole show. thing like there's not like hardly any other show besides that and not <laughs> yeah. only them but there's like four or five other little romances yeah. going on so there is but this is not a will they won't they i told ellen yesterday i said this has gotten to the point where it's a they better or i'm killing somebody <laughs> <laughs> the amount of times that these two characters spend sharing hot breath with each other <laughs> well, and not close talking i'm like yes. just freaking kiss her already <laughs> you just like want to walk up and like shove their faces together like just make this thing happen this is ridiculous also working for this show um if you are anybody that has bemoaned the the lack of female gaze on today's television programs have i got the show for you it's this one because female gaze g-a-z-e not yeah because it sounds okay. like you're saying. <laughs> okay, whatever. Um, but this guy gets like the slow mo edit oh. every time he comes on screen, and it cracks me up. It is and, funny, and they even make fun of it within the show. Yeah, because they're like, "Why is he always walking in slow motion?" <laughs> She's like, "You see it too." <laughs> it's the best. Um, anyway, we, I, I think it comes highly recommended by us, especially to people who like love the romance genre. Like there's just, it's just a lot of fun. It and is just really fun. It's cause it's not just, I mean, it's silly, funny. The girl in it is hilarious. I mean, she, the yeah. main character, she's really funny and she's very, and she's like gorgeous. It's ridiculous. How beautiful she's ridiculously she is. beautiful. And, yeah. um, <clears throat> just so much fun. And, just as a recommendation, I tried watching it, and maybe this is just me because I'm a slow reader and I'm not really visually, well, I got all kinds of issues, but... Yeah, she does. I had a hard time watching it on my big screen TV and reading the subtitles and staying focused on the stuff that was going on. It was easier for me to either 
watch it on my iPad or on my computer, which is smaller, where yeah. I can kind of read the... Get it all <laughs> read, in one. Yeah, I can read the I subtitles watched... and have the screen all in one eye shot without having to... I watched most of it on my phone, laying in bed on a Saturday. I'd see there's no way that I could was... do that because this is the, the writing kind of would life... be too small. <laughs> yeah, this is the kind of life I'm leading. I laid in bed most of a Saturday and watched a Turkish rom-com. Hmm. I'll write that down hours. for my information for later. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Anyway, um, so it's a good time. Y'all should check it out. It we is. It's both... probably not everyone's cup of tea, I should say. And it's yeah. even though it has subtitles, it's it still requires some um, interpretation because they're yeah. the phraseology is weird. And but once you get into the flow of it, like it's kind of hard to get into it. But once you get into the flow, and once you understand kind of what's happening, it, it makes it pretty quick and easy to yeah. figure out what they're saying. To the point where, like, I've also watched one without subtitles, and like, you still, I still kind of like because I know what's going on. But you misunderstood some of the characters. I did. Oh gosh, I'm so excited for the next episode, you guys. I'm gonna die. I know. Um, Anyway, we highly recommend. Yes, we do. So shifting gears a bit. Today we are going to be talking about Long Shot by Kennedy Ryan. It is the first book in her Hoop series. The second book, Block Shot, comes out September 10th. Um, I timed this episode specifically so that I would be ready to read the second book when it came out. Um, it's all so about Ellen. It is. So due to the nature of this book, I didn't think that it would be appropriate to write a rap or set my description to the Brady Bunch theme song. So I just wrote like a regular old summary for this one. So um, when August meets Iris the night before his big championship game, the stars seem to instantly align. The sparks fly, the birds sing, and he knows that he has found the one. Even Iris can't deny the connection that they experience in that one night, despite the fact that she is actually dating August's longtime rival. They go their separate ways, but neither are able to forget that spark of something. As August sets out on his career with the NBA, Iris's dreams of getting into sports management are derailed by a surprise pregnancy with her boyfriend, Caleb, who is also beginning his NBA career and is determined to bring Iris along for the ride. His determination begins to grow violent, and Iris finds herself trapped in a horrific relationship and forced to extreme lengths to protect her new daughter. Neither Iris nor August are ever able to forget each other, and to Iris, August seems more and more like a fading dream that will be swallowed up in the misery she faces at home. But chance encounters keep that spark alive and give Iris something to hope for beyond survival. So, Mom, what did you think of Longshot? Well, it was definitely different than any book we've read. It's definitely Mm -hmm. got a much darker theme to it. Yes. But I loved this book. Yeah. This book. I mean, I think everybody, like, knew going into this one that I, because I, I had already read it, and I had already been very vocal about how much I love this book. Um, I knew that I was like, because when I read it, I was like, ooh, do I want mom to read this one? Because it is, it's very different than, like, the kind of rom com books that we tend to gravitate towards. But... I just think that this book is so beautiful and important and because it's so different than like a lot of what is in the genre, it's such a like valuable voice, I think, to add to the genre. Um, We should mention that 
Kennedy Ryan was gracious enough to chat with us for like an hour yesterday. Um, mm-hmm. So we'll probably be referencing some of our conversation with her throughout this discussion. Um, but I want to be clear that we both loved this book before we chatted with her about it. And um, like, yeah, so it's not in any way, and I'm not going to try and let it color our, you know, review of it. Um, but yeah, I just, I just think, you know, because as I kind of let people know before we went into this book, um, it deals with uh, domestic abuse and rape and some really hard things to read. Um, but when we were talking to Kennedy Ryan yesterday, I mentioned, I'm like, I think that that's, though, what makes the love story so much sweeter is because she's been through such awful things. And um, so when she gets these moments of this, with this guy who seems so in tune with what she needs and things like that, it was just so much more special to me. Well, the thing that really stood out to me in this book, um, and you and I have talked about this, and we talked about it with Kennedy Ryan yesterday, but um, the thing that really stood out to me, and maybe it's just because of my own, not prejudices, but my own ignorance about about it, is um, she never seemed weak because of what she was going through. And I know mm-hmm. we all think, boy, if he hit me once, I'd be out the door. Yeah. But um, and anyone who doesn't do that must, you know, is weak. They just have to have a man, yada, yada, yada. But she never seemed like a weak character because she stayed. But she stayed, and you, you've got to read the book to really understand all the reasoning behind why she had to stay. Mm-hmm. And um, she stayed to protect her daughter. And, that and just to make it, sure that she maintained all of the custody all rights. All the custody rights. She didn't want daughter. him to have any custody rights. Yeah. And um, she was just kind of looking for a way to get out without him walking away with anything, and, you know, in regards to their daughter. And yeah. um, because of that, the whole thing, she just seemed like such a stronger person than you would think. You know, we're in it's, when is in this situation, we tend to think of people as weak, but she was not weak at all. And I yeah. think it was just so well written to put that across. I don't know. I just really appreciated that voice. Yeah. yeah. When we chatted with her yesterday, she mentioned that she typically starts her books with a mission. And even before she has characters or plot or anything else, her mission for this book came when she saw a news story. I think it was, she said it was about Ray Rice who punched his fiance and um, out and there was a video of it. Yeah. And she decided she wanted to set a romance around a woman who has suffered from domestic abuse. Um, she told us that she began plotting and writing and then realized that she needed to do some research. And, um, she spent about, she said two months, you know, talking to, domestic abuse survivors and social workers who, you know, work with that. Um, and she felt the need to do that um, for the very reason that I think I love this book so much, and that's kind of what you just talked about. Um, she felt like she had preconceived notions of women who, you know, quote-unquote, put up with abuse, like women who stay with abusive men. And I can relate to that. I have... Sh- 
I know I will like fess up. I have straight up had conversations where I have said something along the lines of, you know, the second someone hits me, I'm out. And I can't understand women who, you know, who would do that, who would who stay up with, with it. Yeah. And this book made me reevaluate and take a look at that thinking just because I think it's important to still hold fast to, you know, not putting up with it. But it did make me think more about how I view women that are in these situations, um, if that makes sense. Yeah. And And she did say, she did say that this book is not based on one particular person, but a lot of the situations in that take place in the book are based on situations that actually happened to people that she interviewed and talked to. So, you know, they were straight up, you know, based on um, incidences that happened in other people's lives. So just really well done. Yeah. And, you know, she, she kept trying to make it clear, like, you know, she's like, I don't want to like blanket statements say that all women, you know, are should stay in these relationships. Yeah. And that there are some women you know, that are maybe not sticking it out for the right reasons and, you know, because they think he's going to change or whatever. Um, And so I think that that's important. But I think the moment for me that really stood out, that really made me kind of like, you know, question my own thinking about it is that conversation that she's kind of having with the other basketball wives. And, um, you know, they're saying like, I can't believe that she's sticking with him. Like, the money must be really good. They were talking about another wife. Yeah, and Iris just keeps thinking, well, like, well, maybe he's he's stronger than her. Maybe he's bigger than her. Maybe he's got a gun. Maybe he's, you know... Holding holding, her kids over her head. Yeah, and maybe he's controlling all of her money and, you know, all this stuff that she is dealing with. And, um, yeah, I think it's just easy for, for us from an outside looking in to just be judgmental and um, think we know everything that's going on, but you really can't. Um, I mean, and she herself is one of those. I think I like that too, is that Iris is one of those women that she straight up tells Caleb when he kind of first gets rough with her and kind of, you know, grabs her aggressively and like kind of shakes her a little bit. That's like kind of the first hint of violence that he gives her and she straight up tells him like you put hands on me again like that I'm I'm out I have no tolerance for it and he hits her and she tries to leave and you know he ends up having this whole thing against her with the social services well, and he all reports of, her car stolen he yeah cancels re- all of her credit cards reports and bank that accounts. she kidnapped their child Kid. yeah so it was bad and I mean, you can see where she's coming from. It was a it was a great way to understand more what some of these women go through. Yeah, um, as we mentioned, Kennedy got the idea for this book when she heard a news report of an athlete beating his wife, fiance. So, mom, what do you think is added to this story by making it kind of a sports romance and setting it in that world? Well, I think the thing that is added to the story is one of the biggest problems that she had or feared is that because he's in a position where he's got a ton of money, I mean, he's got uh, literally unlimited resources. Even Plus, before he was an yeah, NBA star. came. Not only is he an NBA star, but he came from a family that had a lot of money. Yeah. And um, 
she knows and she has nothing without what he has for her she has nothing and um so if he cuts her off she has no way to get a good attorney she has no and he has all the money in the world to get the best attorneys to get everything that he needs not to mention the fact that because he's a valuable player you know there might be some let's just like let's take care of this this let's yeah let's do what well, we can to take care of this. She says several times, you know, because, like, even people, you know, when she's gotten herself out of the situation, people are like, let's, why don't you press charges? Like, why, why aren't she? And she's like, listen, these things get covered up all the time. Like, right. I, I am doing the best thing to make sure he never has rights to my daughter. Right. And, yeah, I think that, you know, because we do see this happen a lot with, the athletes, you know, the things that get kind of pushed under the rug. Um, and I think that it kind of gave more stakes to her trying to make sure that she's doing the best thing for her daughter. And then also I think that it adds um, some, like, preconceived notions against her because you see a lot of people, you know, like when August starts to get a little concerned that maybe there's something else going on, you know, he kind of questions to others and, you know, everybody's like, well, she's being well taken care of. Like, yeah. So, you know, like, she's fine. She, you know, yeah. She's got everything she needs. Why would, why would that, why would there be a problem? And yeah. Like, and so I think then she had that also working against her. It's just that people just look at her as some gold digger who trapped him in, you know, to her. Well, and everyone says that. Baby. Oh, you got pregnant. You hit the, you hit Jackpot. the mother load. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so she's just got even more things working against her and then the stakes of him having all that power and clout and money to, like, back up his case. So, And also because he has a public face, I mean, and everyone sees his sweet, charming, gorgeous face all the time. Yeah, he's like the golden boy, yeah. Yeah, so no one thinks, how could he possibly, they must have a golden life. Everything must be perfect because look how charming he is. By the way, he is like the worst piece of human garbage oh ever. Oh my gosh. Written. If everyone I, asked me right now who's the worst character in fiction, you know, and in, in read, I'm like, oh, it's Caleb. Yeah. Gosh. <laughs> I was just like, I, you know, and we'll get down to this a little bit, but I wanted him dead so bad. And I was just like, just somebody just come and kill him. I'm like, I'm not, I'm not a murderous person, but like, I wanted him dead. Hmm. there you go what you wish for (laughs) Uh, okay i've i've moved into the questions by the way i don't know if you've noticed i figured that that. i seamlessly moved us oh man that was beautiful ellen (laughs) thank you (laughs) um okay so the thing i really liked about her portrayal of domestic violence you know if there's something to like about that is that it never felt like it was there to be sensational it like just more felt like it was honest to what some of these women have gone through. And I think that is where her research really, like, even before she told us that she did that, you got the sense that, like, she's right. put the time in to, like, figure out what these women go through. Right. Um, so did you ever find it over the top or, like, what stood out to you about the oh. portrayal of the domestic violence? Not at all. And um, the thing that I found was, interesting and and you could kind of totally see where she was coming from is you know people would say oh he's cheating on you he's having a fit and she's like good i, I want him to cheat with me i don't want <laughs> yeah. to ever have sex with him let him have sex with whoever he wants out there yeah. but you know i don't care if he's having 
affairs, you know, that's yeah. as long as he doesn't touch me. And um, I don't know. I don't even know if that answered your question. What was your question? Well, just like <laughs> elements of that portrayal that like, well, oh. as over the top. No, I never felt like it was over the top. I, if anything, because there were a lot of times that, you know, she'd get beat until she like blacked out and then we wouldn't hear about the rest of what happened. So she, I don't want to say she downplayed it, but she certainly didn't go over the top to explain things to us. Yeah. Sometimes we would just see the aftermath or, and just right. kind of understand what happened. Um, yeah, I think that's cause I've, I've read other books that kind of maybe touch on this, um, you know, like, and sometimes I felt like, like they kind of paint this abuser as, almost kind of like what we've talked about before like a mustache twirly villain right and like he is the worst of you know the most villainous of villains but i never i don't know i think because you get to kind of see his his journey to that moment when he first hits her and um yeah i really liked her you know she kind of has like this prologue at the beginning where she and then she later has that same cha- uh, passage later on in the book. But when she talks about the metaphor between the people that stayed in New Orleans during Katrina and then her in this moment where she's like, listen, and the people you know, who stayed and ended up getting swallowed up by the floodwaters yeah. because they stayed too long. And that yeah. was her metaphor of, have I stayed too long? Yeah. And I found that really like interesting and kind of like a beautiful visual for for that experience um and reading it this second time was even harder because you know these red flags are like even bigger and redder and and just but you know it's hindsight and and it's kind of you see that progression for him and um i don't like it but there's a passage where she talks about kind of like how jarring to the soul that first hit is and i can imagine yeah well okay so i don't want to get into it but there was an experience that i had where a guy that i was with um not like in any romantic sense but we were traveling in europe together and he like just threatened violence against me and honestly that just alone just kind of changed a lot of I don't know like it kind of changed triggered something in me to make me a little bit more aware make me a little more cautious and it really was kind of like an eye-opening experience for movie and like he even accused me later of like the fact that that affected you that much shows that you live in a bubble and it's like cool, that wasn't your right to prick that bubble. (laughs) (laughs) To burst my bubble. I liked my bubble. Yeah. And so, yeah, just, I mean, I can't, you know, I I luckily, knock on wood, have never, you know, had violence inflicted upon me. But so when, I don't know, just when she said that, I was like, yeah, it's, you know, it is kind of like, whoa, it's an eye-opener. Well, and it, and it, breaks a part of your innocence down. I mean, I would imagine yeah. I've never, you know, been been the object of violence either. But um, 
it seems like it would take away an innocence that you have that, you know, you'll never get back again. Yeah. Um, I also love that, you know, in the midst of this, she kind of touches on postpartum depression. And, you know, I think that she has that Iris, you know, even without the postpartum nature of it, even before he starts beating her, she has some things to be depressed about. Um, but I hate that he used it against her. Yeah. Um, I hated that. When August came in and he's just being, you know, when she's talking to him that night that he sees her feeding the baby Mm -hmm. and, um, he's talking to her. He's like, you should find someone to talk to. You, you know, he was so concerned and worried about her. I know. And we need to get through these questions about the bad stuff and get to talking about August. I know, I know, I know. Um, there's, there's a bit to touch on though with the bad stuff. Um, I wrote down this line, every lie Caleb has told is a straitjacket hampering me, making me look like a mad woman. And that's kind of, I think that was, I liked that visual too of just that he's, yeah, he's like holding her captive both in a And just manipulating her life, literally manipulating her life from the beginning. Yeah. The fact that he... Uh, the fact that he she, poked those she, holes in the condom, I was yeah, like, you. He, he did it. He got bastard. her pregnant on purpose, yeah. and um, had literally been manipulating her life, you know, from that very beginning. Well, even putting forth such a false face for so long, yeah. when this was when this animal was really inside of him. Well, and we talked, and this is another element of the abuse that I like that she touched on. But I think because Iris is so strong, she doesn't like dwell on it too much. But the unworthiness of someone good like August that comes with what she's been through and just kind of like, you know, and you hear about this with like rape victims and domestic abuse victims a lot, but um, the kind of like sullied nature that they feel, which is just so sad to me that, that they don't feel worthy. They don't Um, deserve good. And then this is the other line that really stuck out to me is, um, it's not like in the movies where the woman wrestles for minutes and you keep thinking there's a chance she'll get away undefiled that someone interview intervenes just in time to save her. No, it's not like that for me. And that's what she thinks, you know, in a moment where he's beating her. And I, I think I liked that just because I was reading this book and you know, the Hollywood in me was just like, Oh, August is going to come in and save her from this, right? Like that, that's what's going to happen. Um, but that, she doesn't. Um, okay, shifting a little bit from the domestic abuse of it, uh, something else that she explores is this connection that they share in both being mixed race and not ever feeling like they fully fit in with either of their, you know, groups. Um, what did you think of that aspect of their connection? I thought it was really good. Even though they both came from... Um very different backgrounds. Yeah. And, um, but they, that was something they, they had as a connection. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And it I thought was an it interesting, was, you know, thought. it's, we're, we're white girls, but I thought that, um, kind of, yeah, that you have these people that, you know, and like with August, he has, I mean, his dad died when he was really young. So that's, his african-american side and then he grew up with this white family white and couple. to kind of always feel like 
other, you know, to right. to his own family. And that she feels that way, too, because her dad, her white dad, is out of the picture. And, you know, she grew up in the Ninth Ward, and she just feels like other compared to everybody else. But then I also like that she talks to Lotus, and she says, I was always jealous of you because you know, you fit in more. And he's, she's like, well, I was always jealous of you because they always thought you were so beautiful and, you know, perfect and, you know, that she would get crap for, like, her well, hair and stuff like that. It's and sad. didn't um, August even have a discussion with his brother Jared that was similar about, um, I don't know, maybe I'm misremembering. Uh, maybe. I don't remember that. Um, okay, you mentioned this previously and sort of touched on it earlier, but you mentioned loving the fact that no one came to save her, that she got out of that situation on her own. I think that's the best thing about this book, is that it's not written, the whole thing, you wanted someone to save her, but the best thing about this book is she saved herself. Yeah. And she got herself out of that situation. She There's a time jump in the book, which is when you see it, you're like, oh, my gosh, how could that happen? Yeah. But, but she spends a year kind of getting herself together. And then in the end, in the final scene, and, and really in the final scene, you know, spoiler alert, big time spoiler alert, yeah. um, Caleb comes back and, and attacks her. And while he's attacking her... Um, August is driving from the airport to where she's staying. Yeah. And I even found myself saying, hurry, August, hurry. You've got to help her. You've got to help her. Yeah. But the fact that she just took care of everything on her own and it wasn't easy, but she realized I've got to do this. And she just went and did it. What needed to be done. And um, and completely warranted. It's not like, you know, she went out of her way to. Yeah. Yeah. And um, that's, that's the best aspect of this book is that no one rescued her. No one saved her. I mean, emotionally, August probably saved her, I would say. But just, you know, physically and, and getting herself out of the situation, she did it all on her own. Yeah, both in that in that moment at the end and, you know, when she's able to get out of the house. I mean, right. I guess Well, I mean, she had Lotus come and help her and, and his brother Andrew come and help But even that, she had to, like, find the strength and, like, you know, because she had to get beat so... Because that's why she right. does that. She gets beat so bad that Andrew, you know, the cousin who's, like, doctoring her up to an extent, um, you know, that she has to be like, this is this is what's happening. I need you to just... You don't have to do anything. Just get a freaking message to my cousin. Like, she has to... Like, she does that. Right. And yes, Lotus comes in and, you know, brings in the cavalry just in herself. But Well, just um, in herself and her voodoo witchness, yeah. which is awesome. I love that. <laughs> um, but, you know, it's, it's by her, you know, wherewithal that she's right. able to, like, make that even happen in the beginning. And I think that that is, you know... Kudos to Kennedy Ryan because that's the best aspect of this book is that yeah. no one saved her. She did it all on her own. And, you know, August is there and in the background and, and is great and everything, you know, and he loves her and and wants to help her and all this stuff. But when push comes to shove, she's the one that makes it happen for herself, which yeah. is awesome. 
Um, I just, and I love about August that he always saw her as, like, this strong woman right away. And, um, and then even when he finds out everything he's been, she's been through, it's just like, oh, you're, like, even stronger than I thought. And I love in her interview with Jared in the beginning, before she's gotten, well, before she's found out she's pregnant, um, (laughs) he's asking (laughs) her, yeah, he's asking her her favorite sports moment, and she talks about when... Michael Jordan was like playing sick as a dog and she said and he like asks her what she what she learns from that moment and she says even when you think you're defeated dig deeper go harder press because there is something worth it on the other side and that stuck out to me you know on my reread because I'm like this is important this is her as a character that she has this mentality before she's even headed into what she's about to experience and that, you know, I think that that's her survivor's instinct that we see, you know, as she's going through that. And I also love, you know, at the end when August finds out about what's happened to her and he's like, Iris, you know, he beat you? And she's like, no, he beat me. I beat him at his own game. (laughs) Like, I escaped. I got away. I survived. And I think that that's important that she has, like, he didn't beat me and she never wants to be seen as someone that's beaten. You know, that was her main thing that that was why she was mainly sad when it came out that, you know, when everything came out in the public, she's just like, I'm just going to be looked at as a victim. And I don't, I don't see myself as a victim. I'm a survivor, you know? So good. Yeah. And there are moments, you know, in when she's experiencing this, when she, she thinks about like, I should just, I should just let him do me in, you know, like I should just succumb to this. But, and honestly, she would have every right, you know, I'm not one for giving up on life, etc. But um, she would have every right to it in that moment. But she stays for her daughter. And I think that, yeah, I just. And she would go, oh, and this, oh, how could I have forgotten? I wanted to mention this to Kennedy Ryan yesterday. But, um. How much did you love their use of the movie Sliding Doors? Because uh, I love that movie. That's one of our favorite <laughs> movies. Yeah. And and you know, she kept referring back to if I just made this other choice, if I had just yeah. gone this other way. But she would never have been the strong woman. And she and wouldn't the, have had Sarai. And the thing that I love about that movie is that no matter which path she went down, she was still gonna like end up meeting the guy who was the good guy, right? Right. And so, and I think that that's kind of the case here, too. You know, she could have gone with August, and yes, she would have gotten to avoid a lot of god-awful things that she went through. Um, But she got her daughter, she survived this experience, and she still got to be with August, and, like, I think maybe they were all the more better for it because right. of what they'd been through together. What they'd been through. Absolutely. Um, okay. So now we can start getting into August a little bit more. Good. Kennedy, Kennedy told us that some Let's readers... Let's brighten this up. Let's bring yeah. this happier. <laughs> Kennedy told us that some readers are sad that Iris, but mostly August, so we're still touching on the violence, were touched by the violence of Caleb's death and that she has more than a few alternate endings to this book. Some where, you know, Caleb maybe lives and is not killed. Do you think he should have lived, and what is earned by his death? What is earned by his death is he doesn't have 
any rights to anything at all yeah. anymore. <laughs> and including being able to walk the face of well, the earth. Well, or, or even just, you know, there's just so many ways he could have messed with her the rest of her life, even if he'd, you know... Even the year that she was gone and she thought nobody knew where he was, where she was. He knew where she was. He'd been keeping an eye on her. He'd been watching her the whole time. I mean, just thinking. Well, and she, even she was, you know, she was secluded in the bayou, but she still was always kind of looking over her shoulder a little bit. Right. And always kind of that, he was just like this specter, like hanging over her all the time. And we told, we told Kennedy yesterday, we're like, for the record, we are both totally fine with the fact that he... <laughs> died and you know and, and that, that she, she got to do it yeah and she didn't I'm like fine. straight up hold a gun to his head and shoot him i mean no it was kind of like not... in the struggle right the gun he went got off. shot and poor baby shot. whatever i don't right. care <laughs> <laughs> too bad so sad but yeah. um but i just i can't tell you enough how much i'm glad you know, he didn't come bursting in. August didn't come in bursting in in a blaze of glory yeah. and, and take him out for her. I'm just really glad that she got to take care of that herself. Well, and I just don't know that it would have been, like, I just don't know for me if it would have been, like, a real true happy ever after if he was still just, like, off on the sidelines or, right. you know, in jail for a few years or whatever and probably going to get out on parole in a couple months, whatever. Um, that just wouldn't have, I mean, like, as soon as he started beating her, I was like, well, this guy's got to die eventually because I'm not going to have him in this. Well, I can't even think of another ending that I would have been happy with, which makes me sound like a terrible person, but But maybe I am. I know. She was, she was saying that like some people, you know, are just like, well, our justice system is based on the fact that like, you know, he's tried in a court of law. I'm like, no, I'm fine with him getting shot. And bleeding out on her living room floor. Yeah, I'm fine with that. Um, Okay, so also when we were talking to Kennedy yesterday, she mentioned that one of her early readers viewed August as maybe too beta. Um, Did you view August as beta? Uh, He's a... (laughs) What's the line? He's a biracial angel. Yes, um... (laughs) he is. He's just so wonderful. Um, You know, I he was. I would say, gosh, I can't even say that. I was going to say he's beta with her. I mean, he's he's just sweet and loving and kind with her. But like on the basketball court, he's very aggressive, and I mean, he has his very aggressive side. Yeah, and I think that I think that that's just true to life, right? I don't think that there's people, men, that are all alpha or all all beta. And we were talking to her yesterday. Well, maybe. But just that, um, you know, what we love about alpha heroes in general is when they're brought down a peg. And I think with August, I see him as being, he's alpha on the streets and beta in the sheets. Or, you know. (laughs) (laughs) No, but just that, the thing is, is she needed him to be right. more sensitive and understanding and if that is beta then cool but i don't think he is you know straight beta character right. um but he definitely was what she needed he was just so loving and understanding and sweet with her and just loved her so much like so much and i was just like you are such i just love him and i love 
you know, kind of that night that they meet, she says, you're a great player, August, but I think you'll be an even greater man. And I think the fact that that affected him so much and that that meant her saying that meant so much to him is what I love so much about him is that like he's about to set off on this NBA career, you know, with all the swagger and all the chicks and all the money. And he's most concerned with coming out of that experience, still being a good person and a good man. And I just, yeah. And I love how much he loves her daughter. Like the second he meets her, he even sees her as a baby. He's like, Oh, I want her to be mine. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And just that, like, you know, that kind of same instantaneous thing that he had with Iris. Like, with Iris, yeah. He's like, she opened her eyes, and I was in love all over again, you know? And I was just like, oh, my gosh, you're just so sweet. And that when they're in, I wrote this down, because when they're kind of getting to have their first intimate moment in the supply closet, as you do. Um, (laughs) uh, he says every kiss every touch has to be freely given so I know she's with me and that she wants this and how important is that to to her especially to her and what she's going through right that that's what that's how he views it Um, I just I love him and I I love that he's kind of secondary to everything else that's going on but that he's always in the background there kind of just like giving her this hope that there's something better well and on he's the other like the space that she goes to when she's trying to you know get rid of what's going on in front of her face yeah you know when she's in these moments of being beaten to oblivion the thoughts of him are what keep her and like and that that moment that we were talking with sliding doors and stuff she thinks about that like that what if and that's what kind of like gives her comfort in those right that's like where her brain switches off to in those moments um we also talked with kennedy about how she has gotten notes and reviews on this book saying that it is not an actual romance novel So this may open up a broader topic about the definition of a romance that maybe we should do for a B topic at some point. But what do you think about that comment of this not being a true romance novel? Well, it's like I said to her yesterday. um, Just like people are all different, I feel like everyone's romance journey is different too. And there's some people who have been through this journey and this is you know a romance journey just like well and isn't she the most deserving of romance like after what she's been through she kennedy was kind of mentioning that you know she's like i can see you know it's not quite the escapism that people kind of look for in their romance for me all i need for it to be a romance is the journey of two people falling in love and to have there be a happily ever after that's what happens that's 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 all i want that's all i want is that asking Um, so much and we get that in spades here i mean and i and kind of like i mentioned earlier the fact that she has to go through so much and that we see that it makes those moments that she gets with august just like so much more tender and right sweet and Romantic, and, and even as because as things start with August, she's very standoffish. There's things that really she's afraid of letting go of again, and 
and he's so patient with her and all the stuff yeah. that she's been through and all this stuff because he doesn't know she was yeah was for a long time yeah that's even before he knows like because it's sure, not even like towards through. the very end that i mean literally like the, the day, very end yeah. <laughs> the very end and he sees these pictures that are released of her and <sighs> also and, that um, moment where he finds out I'm oh my gosh like, I was sobbing I know <laughs> it's just like and you could just imagine him thinking she went through this happened to her yeah and how would you not want to kill someone and just, and yeah and just when he's yeah and just when he's like talking to Deck about it and he's like but she's so she's so good and she's so like fragile and small and I just think about like what he must have done to her and, and just like he's, he's in that hotel lobby and he kicks the table and he punches the wall and you know and dex like you need to calm down like he's like if if avery had been through that like would you be calm right now he's like fair enough fair enough go ahead (laughs) as you were um yeah so what was your swooniest moment mom (sighs) i have mine Probably, uh, you always ask me this question, and I never, I, I know. I'm never prepared you think for it. You, you think you would think about it before I asked you it? Uh, you would think. Okay, you go with yours, and then I'll tell you mine. So I, I think. we were when we were talking to her yesterday, and she was mentioning that she cries a lot. You know, like she's only ever cried in the scenes, like where about the abuse and things like that. And I was like, honestly, the the moments where I welled up the most were just when August is being so sweet to her, just because I was. It was just such like a relief to the soul that I was like, I must cry. But the, my, the moment that like affects me the most is when he ends up staying in San, he's about to transfer like to trade over to Houston and he switched stays in San Diego. And she's like, you gave up that. I mean, it was like a lot of money. You gave that up for me and his best chance at like a ring. And, um, he says, your dreams and ambitions got swallowed up when you had to follow Caleb. I want you to know that there's someone who will follow you. And I was just like, uh. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, she does need to know that, August. You don't even know. Well, most of my swooniest moments are just him treating her like a queen that yeah. she deserves to be. I mean, she's yeah. just so good and has put up with so much crap. And... um He's just so good to her when he brings her the lo- the um the Louisiana irises, irises yeah. every morning and and uh just the sweet things he does for her and it's just so wonderful and he doesn't even know all she's been through and so yeah. we're only the ones that are privy to well, what so, she's healing from but I think that's what I love about him the most he he doesn't know what she's been through and he still is like you deserve all of this and more like well, he's I not doing it you... to fix her from something he's doing yeah. it just because he loves her so much yeah oh gosh i love him um yeah so we got a couple tweets about people people's reactions to this book um at Narmalissa, she tweeted us and said this book wow it made me really sad through most of it i don't know if it took me a while to read it because of the pacing or the subject itself However, I really liked the way Kennedy Ryan dealt with the subject. Can't wait to listen to the episode. By then, I think I'll be a little less heartbroken. And then she tweeted me again a couple days later, and she said, I know I said it made me really sad, but I found myself rereading many scenes. I liked it more than I thought. Um, Paige on Twitter, she 
tweet, uh, tweeted us and said, It was darker than I normally read, but it was very compelling. August was a great hero. I'm thinking about reading the next one in the series. Looking forward to hearing your conversation. Um, yeah, I'm really looking forward to reading Jared's book. She says it's going to be a little bit lighter, lighter. Than, uh, than this one. Not that I think that that would be hard to make this <laughs> a book lighter than this one. Um, and then the third book is Lotus and Keenan, and I am so excited for so that. So excited book. for that one. Yeah, it kind of you know reading this book though it kind of reminded me of when I was um, years ago when you were a little girl. Mm-hmm. I read the, I was reading the book A Killing Time by um, Grisham, which is a great book, but it starts out with the rape and murder of a young of a girl and it describes quite a bit of it and i probably started that book three or four times because everyone kept telling me what a great book it was mm-hmm. but because i had a daughter who was a little girl <laughs> i had a really really hard time reading that kind of thing and i had to kind of get past you being a little girl before i was actually able to um get through it and then, yeah. you know, the, the story moves on and it is better. <laughs> but it's kind of that similar thing where you've got to read through the bad stuff in order to appreciate the good stuff at the end. Yeah. Um, honest, I'll, I'll just kind of relate this story. I, um, there was a girl. So with our church, we get assigned these people to kind of, check in on on a somewhat regular basis and just make sure that they're doing okay. Um, There was a girl that a friend of mine and I were assigned to kind of visit and just see how she was doing. She was always not really receptive. She was always really quiet. My friend is super chatty, so my friend would just kind of chat her ear off for a little bit and then we'd leave. Um, And then one day we got a call from this girl and she wanted us to come over. And we went over to visit her and she just broke down and, you know, like we've, we're, we barely know this girl. She's very quiet. She's always been super standoffish with us. Um, she starts crying and she just tells us, I didn't know who else to call. I'm in this relationship. It's starting to get physically abusive. He has completely made me cut off everybody from my life. I don't have any friends anymore. Um, and I didn't know who else to call. And like, for me, that was such an eye opening experience too. just with, you know, the length, the, the things that deteriorate because of these cases. And, um, so I just, I just loved this book. I love that, you know, we're able to get this romance story out of this horrific thing. And, um, and I just think that, I don't know, like this sounds corny, but I think I'm a better person for having read it kind of thing. I agree. I feel the same way. I had, um, biases, you could say prejudices. Yeah. Just ways I thought about people who were in these situations that I don't think I will ever look at them the same way again. Yeah. And, um, uh, I, yeah, I'm glad. I'm glad for this experience. Yes. Anyway, I hope that some of you are as well. I hope that you were able to, you know, go on this journey with us and have something good come out of it. I know it's a tough read, but I think it's I think it's worth it in the end. 
Um, so those are our thoughts and some of your thoughts on Long Shot by Kennedy Ryan. And thanks again to Kennedy for chatting with us before this episode. Um, we would love to hear more from you on our Facebook page, Goodreads group, our Twitter, which is at NotYourMomsRom, or you can email us at NotYourMomsRomanceBookClub at gmail.com. So if you want to read along with us and email us with your thoughts, or if you would like to suggest a book for us to read, we'd love to hear from you. On September 17th, we will be discussing, we will be discussing <laughs> Pestilence by Laura Thalassa. It is the first and so far only book in her new adult fantasy romance series called The Four Horsemen. So for now, we're going to take a break and when we come back, we'll be talking about my love life or lack thereof. So stay with us. <laughs> Welcome to our little break segment. So we have some housekeeping items and then a couple emails that we wanted to read. Um, so first, first, foremost, what do you think of our new artwork? Snazzy, Yay. right? New look. <laughs> I just wanted to like make us look a little more official than, you know, our previous. Um, also, we are now on Instagram. So if that is your social networking of choice, you can follow us at Not Your Mom's Rom. I'm going to try and do, like, Man Crush Mondays, where I do, like, book boyfriends for man crushes, and weekly pop cultural recommendations, because that's something that we like, and probably pictures of my dog, because that's usually <laughs> what hey, I... dogs. <laughs> I can't post pictures of my dogs? You can do that, too. Um, also, we are now on Stitcher, Spotify, and Amazon Echo, so you can tell Alexa to play us. Um, so, if those are your podcast providers of choice, they are. we are now on them. So, give us a listen on those. So I can say, Alexa, play me. <laughs> She's going to be like, play you what, bitch? Um, <laughs> It sounds inappropriate. Last time Alexa will say, that sounds inappropriate. I'm feeling really uncomfortable right now. Um, in other news, uh, self, a little self-promo, but also for Penny Reed, we were in Penny Reed's newsletter this last yes, time. Yes, we were. And we were very so excited funny. about that. I literally, like, I was reading it at work and I, like, squealed when I saw that we were on there. Um also, uh, just a little side note, um, we've talked about Great News before, which is a fantastic TV show, and it is on Netflix now, the first season. Um, and then, in getting ready for the rest of our books um, news, as of recording, Accidental Trist is still on sale for 99 cents, and Act Like It is on sale for two forty nine. So if you... So Get on those. Yes. Yeah, so if you want to get those for sale, um, you should go on and, and do that. Pestilence was on sale when, for a while. I checked, though, and it's not anymore. Yeah. Um, it is on Kindle Unlimited, though, so if you have Kindle Unlimited, oh. you can get it there. Um, okay. So, in regards to that, I know that we give you all a lot more books to add to your TBR pile, so we are going to try and give back a little bit. Would you like a chance to win a $50 Amazon gift card? Yes? Good, because one of you could win just that. How do you, how do you like my, like, schmoozy <laughs> announcer voice? Very good, um, Ellen. It's a, I could tell you've been working on it. Yes. We have been told that iTunes reviews really help give the podcasts a little boost. So... 
with that in mind, if you would like a chance to win a $50 gift card, all you have to do is leave a review on iTunes or honestly, whatever podcast provider you like to use. Take a screenshot and get it to me. You can email it to at not your mom's or not your mom's romance book club at gmail.com or you can DM me on Twitter with a screenshot or Facebook message me the screenshot. I don't care. However is easiest for you. Um, and I don't even care if it's a five star review. It's not going to hurt your chances. I mean, honestly, like, we would like it if it was, but, like... But if you just say, uh, they're okay. (laughs) Then you can still screenshot that to me, and I will put you in the pool. Um, So, uh, I think we're going to try and shoot for announcing the winner in the next episode, but if there's not a lot of you, then maybe we'll wait another episode and just give you a month to do that. Um, So, if you're interested in a chance at that you know, get me a screenshot of your review and we will enter you. So we got a couple emails this week that I wanted to read. Um, Tabitha emailed us and she said, hi, Ellen and mom. I don't listen to podcasts often, but when I do, yours is at the top of my list. I only listen to book podcasts if I have already read the book. Uh, I'm excited to see I've already uh, read one already and three more are on my TBR list. Yay. Uh, she said, I just listened to the Serena Bowen Bittersweet episode from back in June. I love that author. If you like sports romance, check out her Ivy Years series, which spins off to the Brooklyn Bruiser series. Both series are great. We did like Serena, but so we'll probably check those out. She and says, Someone else has recommended those to us before, yeah. I think. She says, Anyway, you were talking about setting and how the setting often informs the content of the book. Big city equals steamy sexy. Small town equals sweet and a little less explicit. If you haven't already, she says, check out Alice Clayton's Hudson Valley series. Book two, Cream of the Crop, was my favorite of the three, but they are all super fun. Grumpy heroes abound, but they are lacking beards. Guess you can't have everything. Um, I will just take the grumpy heroes. I love that. And, you know, beards are just a plus. Um, She says, thank you for your delightful podcast. They help me look forward to long drives and long walks. Thanks for writing in, Tabitha. Um, And then we got a message from Jason. He says, I love your podcast. Wait, what? I know. Dude. He says, I love your podcast. Probably as one of your few male listeners. I think probably only male listeners besides like the occasional listen from our, my dad or brother. Um, He says, it really is my guilty pleasure. I love the discussion on who would play Joshua Templeman. It reminded me of when they were making Jack Reacher into a movie. In the books, he's a six-foot-inch beast. They cast Tom Cruise. Yeah, it doesn't make much sense. Um, But then I wrote him back, and I'm like, Jason, I'm so curious as to, like, how you stumbled across our podcast. How did you find us? (laughs) And I'm like, I'm interested in, like, what got you into romance. That's, like, so interesting to me. Um, and he said, he wrote back and he says, I work a 12 hour shift in a control room in an acid plant. Sounds dangerous. Um, he says, well, I can't read at work. I can listen to audiobooks because I can continue to watch what is going on and still listen. After listening to every book written by Clive Cussler, all the Jack Reacher books, all the Temperance Brennan books, um, mm-hmm. along with a good amount of young adult novels, I was looking for something else to read when I happened upon your podcast. It sounded so funny. A woman and her mother discussing romance novels. I thought it would be fun to give it a listen. 
After listening to a few episodes, I heard your description of the Countess as a romance meets weekend at Bernie's or Scooby-Doo with sex. My youngest and I have always watched Scooby-Doo together, even now that he is 16. So the book, um, so after listening to your description, I decided I would give romance a try. I really enjoyed the book and tried to get my wife to read it also, but she refused to even consider reading a romance novel. So sad. Um, First of all, Jason, I think it's hilarious that the Countess was your first romance novel. <laughs> that is funny. I, I mean, I liked The Countess, but it's just a funny first option. I, I just like it's that. It's a bonkers book. But yeah, <laughs> I know. Um, he says, but I was undeterred, so after reading The Countess, I had to read The Heiress and The Husband Hunt. Then I tried two novels from Sandra Brown that Audible described as romantic suspense, Envy, which was contemporary, and Sunset Embrace, which was set in the Wild West on a wagon train. I liked both, so now I'm listening to her first novel from 1983, Breakfast in Bed. I guess that was long-winded to say that you and your mother brought me to romance novels. I bought all three of the Madison sisters' books for my mother, though, so I could have someone to discuss them with. I have written down all the books you and your mother mention and plan to give them a go. I very much look forward to listening to you and your mother's next podcast. So I just thought that was so cool that, that like, cool. we got a guy into romance novels. Ellen wouldn't let me email him back the way I wanted to email no. him back. No. Mom wants to ask <laughs> if he has a single brother, but, you know, we're not going to get into that. A single brother. So, to, so, anyway, thank you so much for writing those in. I love getting that. And that was so cool for us to know that we got somebody else into, even... Even just getting someone into romance novels is cool, but let alone a guy, a guy is which is super awesome. Cool. Um, anyway, so thanks to Tabitha and Jason for emailing us uh, those messages, and look for announcements about the the contest if you need more instructions or shoot me a message. I'm always online, <laughs> so. and Ellen will put it on Twitter and all yeah, stuff. all that stuff. Um, so anyway, we will see you next time for our little break segment so see you next time bye so today is mom's birthday happy birthday mom they say it's your birthday actually kind of funny story about that mom saying that once to my little cousin um well who's not little she's like five years younger than me but mom said, say, it's your birthday. It's my birthday, too. And she would go, no, it's my birthday. No, it's my birthday. It's not your birthday. <laughs> and I like to throw that in her face and bring that up a lot because <laughs> she hates that I bring that up. Um, anyway, happy birthday, mom. 45, Thanks, right? Ellen. 45? Is that what we're going with? Something like that. As dirt <laughs> is as dirt. <laughs> An age. An age. It's got numerical value to it. Um, so I thought we would maybe kick off a new recurring segment but maybe not we'll see how this goes we're going to call it love life with dr mom in which i tell mom about my love life and she tells me what's wrong with me just to be clear i haven't actually gone to medical school (laughs) like most of those other radio personalities that are called doctor (laughs) um so lately I've been feeling like the only thing I ever attract are sleazy guys. The only men I am aware of ever finding me attractive are homeless guys. There was a guy coming out of a jail once who, like, <laughs> followed me for a while and mentioned my my booty. Um, there was 
when I was living in Italy, there was a total of 32 marriage proposals on the street. Impromptu. Um, what are you still doing here single? <laughs> there were, um, there's a lot of old men. Uh, recently, on my birthday, there was, I was walking down the street, and I was smiling at this older gentleman's dog, and he said, be careful, he, he attacks babes, so you're in trouble. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> thank you, sir. Woohoo! <laughs> <laughs> and um, lately, where I work, there is an Uber hub and I direct people back to the Uber hub. And so I've had a lot of Uber drivers making comments at me, which is interesting. (laughs) I tweeted one, um, I tweeted one the other day where a gentleman came in and he said, you look a lot prettier than the last time I was in. I was like, Oh, thank you. Ouch. I'm like, just get my middle finger ready here. <laughs> wow, you really know how to make a girl feel special. Um, we've touched on this. Um, I've never been kissed, still a virgin, and I've never really been asked out. I've been on some dates, but most of them have been setups, or I've had these like weird nebulous, like, is this a date, or are we just like hanging out? What's going on right now? I don't know. So... Mom, diagnose what's wrong with me. <laughs> oh, where to start? But you you just want me to focus on the dating stuff, huh? <laughs> yeah. Well, I just... do know your flirting game is weak. Oh, I gosh. am I am the queen of flirting, so how <laughs> you came out of me, I have no clue. <laughs> mom, mom flirts with every waiter, Sam's Club employee, um, every I cashier. Do. All I don't, of them. It's not always flirty. It's just being friendly. But, sure. Um, okay. There, there was one, one instance. This is a family story that goes down in history. Yeah. But Ellen and I had gone down with some friends. We went down to um, Southern California and saw. Oh gosh. <laughs> we went specifically to see Wicked. Um, yeah. It wasn't in L.A., but it was somewhere down there. Anyway, it was Costa Mesa. Yeah, so we'd gone to the play, and it was really good, and the guy that played Fierro was super good looking, and um, then after the play, we went across the street to a restaurant, and we were having dinner, and while we were having dinner, several of the cast members from the play came in and were eating also, Gosh. and I kept saying, Ellen, go say something to him. I said, just go tell him the play was good. I was like... You're cute and young. They'll think you guys are... Because we had friends with us. And I said, yeah. you girls, go say something to them. Tell them how cute it was. How much we enjoyed it. No, 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 no. We can't. We can't. Well, we were and like teenagers at the time. That's just an awkward age. Just an awkward stage. Stop. Stop it right now. No, it was... You were more than a teenager. Well, was, I was at least like 18 or 19, 19. I think. But still... And so I had to go over and do something with my credit card. I can't remember what. But while I was walking back, I just stopped and I said, um, Her hands were all over this guy. (laughs) (laughs) Not. I just touched his shoulder because I was, he was sitting right in front of me because it was a round table. There was some definite stroking going on. There was, shut up, you. (laughs) (laughs) And I just told the table at large, what a great job, how much we enjoyed the play. And then the guy who played Fiero was sitting right in front of me, and I just tapped his shoulder. I did not stroke him. (laughs) And I said, we especially enjoyed your performance. It was so good. And Mm. um, so then, you know, that was it. That was the end of it. 
of course, then embarrassingly, we were walking out to the parking garage and I was just going like, oh my gosh, I was going on and on out loud about how cute he was. Yes. And come to find out, they were walking walking behind behind us. us. And and so I was like, oh my gosh, just get in the car, just get in the car. So we're going to get in the car, but of course, they're parked right next to us. So they're sitting there waiting for us to get in our car. And she's just like, oh. Oh, I was just spazzing out. Anyway, um, that's just a flirting story for me. But I am um, not... I don't want to say I'm always flirtatious, but I'm very gregarious. Would that yes, be a word that sure. works? <laughs> and um, everywhere we go, I've always been very friendly. Yes. Serving staff. and Yes. And I'm just like, Ellen, like, we'll have a cute waiter. I'm like, Ellen, say something, do something. And she won't. What am I supposed to say, though? Oh, like, my gosh. I don't just know. take, just. Because I usually end up doing all the flirting. <laughs> <laughs> no one wants to flirt with your old mother. They want to flirt with the cute young girl. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Um, yeah. So the flirting game needs to bump a notch. I'm just saying. Uh-huh. You're, you're wonderful the way you are, Ellen. There's nothing wrong with you. You're perfect. Thanks, Mom. <laughs> Except for these few things. <laughs> I just, like, I don't know. I think because I don't have experience, I lack confidence in this arena. I would agree that you lack confidence. I would agree. Okay. Um, but, because I've been this way, though, like, even when I was like crazy young yeah i know I you just, i've heard stories yeah i've always been very flirty <laughs> <laughs> must have skipped what can a generation I say? <laughs> <laughs> i'm just that way yeah but i'm i'm friendly with girls and guys it's not like i'm always just hitting on guys all the time are you hitting on girls all the time though too maybe <laughs> like you only flirt with the guys so let's be honest about that i what i'm saying is i'm friendly with men and women not just men so but it takes on a different it takes on a different tone when you're with the guys well it takes on a different tone because you get embarrassed (laughs) no no it takes on a different tone because remember that one time when we went to sam's club and you were like totally flirting with the cashier and I then, don't like, know what you're talking and then, about. And then anytime we would go in and be like, oh, mom, there's your boyfriend. <laughs> I do remember that. <laughs> Ellen, whenever I flirt with, well, because they're always younger than me. Whenever I flirt with guys, it's on your behalf. Okay. Like the cute fireman that I ran into at Smart and Final. <laughs> she did, yeah. And I wasn't even there and she was flirting on my behalf. <laughs> I was. And I just wanted, and uh, I just started chatting with these guys and I just wanted to say, I've got a daughter! <laughs> um, there was some firemen that came into the restaurant where I was uh, eating lunch the other day and I had to get out of there quick before I did something stupid. Yeah, before your ovaries exploded. Yeah. Oh, gosh. Uh, we've talked before about 
my weird thing with firemen, right? Not that, that it's does weird. Have a thing for firemen. Because a lot of people have firemen. But I basically, like, had my sexual awakening to, like, when firemen <laughs> came and visited our classroom in sixth grade. And so, like, ever since then, I've just had, like, a... Just, you know, like a moth to a flame. Give me those firemen in their, like, tight t-shirts with the suspenders. It's like... Yeah. Yes, please. Well, and I... It's not... For example, with the firemen, I was in the store, and there were these four very nice-looking young men, all firemen, and um, I couldn't reach something on the shelf, and they were standing right there by me, and I said, could one of you handsome, strapping, tall young men reach this for me? Gosh. (laughs) Is that flirting? Yes. (laughs) These 25-year-olds. And... (laughs) and, um, So then I kept running into them in the store, and we just kind of started chatting, and uh, then I was behind them in line, but there was only one cashier open, just so it's not like I was stalking Stalking them. Stalking them. um, Although you would have about a show. Oh, they were talking about how they just finished watching... Punisher. Punisher on Netflix. Netflix. And... So we were talking about it, and I got as soon as I got out of the store, I was on the phone. Ellen, you've got to meet these firemen. I was just flirting with this Martin Lyle. This is this, is, and pretty much any time Mom is like talking to anybody, and like the subject of an unmarried, you know, relation comes up, she's like, "Oh, how old? Like, what what are we talking about here?" Oh, like, I'm always pimping out my daughter. She is. It's delightful. I love it so much. <laughs> well, so maybe you're not the problem. Maybe I'm the problem. Yeah. Anyway. That went about <laughs> as well as I thought it was going to. <laughs> um, other than that, I think you're perfect. I Thanks. think you're perfect, Ellen. Thanks, Mom. And you're it's, just... Every guy on the planet has a problem. And you're just baffled as to why I'm only attracting homeless men. I am baffled. <laughs> maybe it's because you look... Somewhat successful, and they're thinking that might be uh, a good. Deal. I don't know when I want. It's usually happening when I'm walking my dog, and that's usually not when I am looking successful. <laughs> so it's amazing. Well, honestly, so if anyone knows the perfect man for Ellen, <laughs> see again, pimping me out. Um, well, and and I've even, in fact, I was talking to friends the other night. We always know someone who's got. A friend, an uncle, a cousin, or whatever that, you know, they're single. They'd be perfect for Ellen. The thing is with this, though, is that everybody, like, they say, like, oh, they'd be perfect for Ellen. But it's like, they're just going off of the parameters of, it's like, oh, they're roughly the same age and also single. (laughs) There, you'd be perfect together. Parameters all met. That's that's all. (laughs) Well, a lot of times, because a lot of people know that you are, have your pop culture yeah, they're usually basing it off of that. Oh, you've been to Comic-Con? They'll love you. Yeah, I do get a lot of that. But now I do like to mention that you will come to the party with a yeah. lot of knowledge. This, this, is how mom's now, this is how mom's now pitching me, is that I read romance novels, so I know what I'm doing. You are gonna, you'll still be a novice, but boy, you're going to know what you're, what's up. What's I'm up, literally. No qualms, yeah. Oh, gosh. So that is how my mother is now pimping me out. I think it's pretty good. Let's write it on a resume. (laughs) Jeez. Anyway, on that note, 
you go. Thank you so much for listening. I somehow deleted my whole like ending spiel, so I don't have it written down. So thanks for listening. If you would like to join us for Pestilence on September 17th, um, you can subscribe on iTunes or... Join us for the Pestilence. <laughs> yeah, for the Pestilence by Laura Thalassa, I should say. Um, join us on September 17th. You can subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever your local podcasts are sold. Um, and we will, you know, send us your thoughts. Email notyourmomsromancebookclub at gmail.com. Twitter. Send, send your ideas about how Ellen can improve her love life. Gosh. It's <laughs> just what I need is more mothers. Um, That's right. Everybody on board. We're finding Ellen a husband. Twitter and Instagram at notyourmomsrom. Um, and just send us your thoughts. We'd love to hear from you. So we'll see you next time. All right. Bye, Mom. Bye. Bye.